We're turning this morning again to Colossians 2. We're going to read from verse 8 through to verse 15. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Let's hear the word of God. Remember, of course, we're reading from the authorized version, a most faithful and reliable translation of the Holy Scriptures. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. Let's hear the word of God. Remember, these are inspired words. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. In him also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now this morning, as we continue with our series of expository sermons in the book of Colossians, my text again is taken from Colossians 2 verse 12. And remember the theme that I entitled last Lord's Day, Understanding Our Spiritual Baptism in Christ. Now last Lord's Day, I asked the question, what does Colossians 2.12 mean? How do you understand it in your head? What is meant by the word baptism? Does the word baptism mean water baptism? What does the phrase buried with him in baptism mean? How do you understand it? How is all this connected to Colossians 2 and 11? Remember the theme there. Understanding our spiritual circumcision in Christ. Now the title is very telling. Now, all of these are legitimate questions. In fact, I would say important questions, and they deserve and demand an answer. Now, last week, I began to answer these questions. On that occasion, I set before you two main headings. One, the glorious truths that are inferred. We underlined the phrase, buried with him in baptism. I said the word buried would have to include death. Being buried is confirmation of death. If you think of the word buried with him, him is a reference to Christ. The context, Colossians 2 verse 8. Last words, not after Christ. Christ is the subject. Uh, Chapter 2 verse 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse 10, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Verse 11, in him also ye are circumcised, high, with the circumcision made without hands. Now that's important. And then in verse 12, buried with him in baptism, wherewith also ye are risen with him. Notice the emphasis is on him. 
The Apostle Paul is emphasizing this fact that Jesus Christ is solely sufficient to save without any external right or act because every true Christian is in union with him in his life, in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. You see, it's our union with Christ that gives us a life of power and victory. It's our union with Christ that gives us that life of overcoming indwelling sin. It's our union with Christ that helps us to die to sin and live unto righteousness. Oh, how much we need to recognize our spiritual union in Christ. Remember, we're in the midst of a spiritual battle. A battle of heresy, apostasy, false teaching, false teachers. Paul's encouraging God's people, buried with him in baptism. And the burial is proof of death. It's the seal confirmation of death. You see, remember in the heart and mind of God, when Jesus Christ was born, we were in him. When he lived, we were in him. When he died, we, we died in him. When he was buried, we were buried in him. When he rose again, we arose again in him. All that happened to Christ happened to us. And there is such a truth, a glorious truth of total identification with Christ. Not only that Christ, we have the doctrine of substitution, the doctrine of justification and sanctification, but here's a very precious doctrine, a total identification with Christ in spiritual union. We are in him. In him is the key. Now that's mind-blowing. I know at times it's hard to comprehend. Not only um, uh, is Christ in me, but I'm in Christ. Now, that's the glorious truths that are inferred. Second thing was the great test that's instrumental. Remember, we asked, how do we come into union with Jesus Christ? How does all the privileges and possessions of Christ become ours? How can we know that we're partaker of the benefits purchased for us by Jesus Christ? Now, there's two answers. There's a wrong, heretical answer. And there's a, a true and spiritual answer. Now, the wrong answer is we come into union with Christ through water baptism. There are those who teach that there's a, a magical efficacy in baptism. It's, it's called baptismal regeneration. And that's the teaching of Roman Catholicism to this day, the Church of England and Lutheran churches and even some other churches. It's the insistence on an external right to be admitted to a life of union with Christ. And we have argued this before. I said it again. Listen to the uh, online um, Facility, last week, there is no saving efficacy in the rite of baptism. Now that needs to be made clear. The scriptural answer, the true answer is this. Here's how, look at the text. Through the faith of the operation of God. Now true faith is a gift of God. And faith is forsaking all I trust him or take him. Now, I can't repeat all that I said last week, but I, I leave this with you by way of opening up the, the text again. And then the third point that I shared with you or started to share last week and the time had gone 
was the good testimony that is instructive. And here's where we left off. Now, Paul mentions the word baptism. You can see that, buried with him in baptism. Now, what does that mean? How much research did you do last week? Did you do any? Did you think about this? You see, there's two kinds of baptism in the Bible. One, there's a spiritual baptism. And two, there's a literal, we'll call it a physical baptism. Now, now what is Paul meaning when he says buried with him in baptism? Now, keep in mind the context. 2.11 is a reference to our spiritual circumcision in Christ. It's a reference to being born again. The doctrinal term is regeneration. And it's a reference, if you look at the text, in whom also you're circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So it's, it's a reference to a circumcision made without hands. It's not a physical act. It's not a physical circumcision in the flesh. It's, it's a spiritual circumcision. It's the spiritual circumcision of the heart in the new birth. Hence the title, Understanding Our Spiritual Circumcision in Christ. Now, following on from that, I'm of the opinion that the proper title for Colossians 2 and 12 is Understanding Our Spiritual Baptism in Christ. Now, don't be shocked. We'll come back to this. It's my opinion, then, that there is no actual water being referred to in Colossians 2 and 12. It's a reference to our spiritual baptism in Christ. I'm thinking of the context. The context is important. It's not physical circumcision in 2.11. And then he says, buried with him in baptism. So therefore, I'm inferring it's not a reference to water baptism. It's a reference to our spiritual baptism in Christ. The baptism here is not an actual physical or literal baptism. Now, you may ask and think, and rightly so, how can it not mean water? Now, it's important that we understand this. You see, the word baptism in the Bible is not limited to dipping in water, to immersion. Now, it can, and it does, and we're going to see this in a moment, mean that in certain places in the Bible. But that's not its exclusive meaning. It's not the only meaning. You see, it means to place into. It means to be overwhelmed by. It means to be enveloped by. There are uses in the Bible where it has nothing to do with water. Let me just give you some. Turn over there to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and look with me at verse 2. It says, and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea. The cloud's a visible presence of the glory of God. The sea is a reference to the Red Sea. You've got to think of the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea. And the reference is to be baptized unto Moses. What does that mean? Well, well it's not water. It, it, it's, it means being placed in Moses. You see, again, it has to do with our identification. 
It has to do with union. The children of Israel were spiritually placed in close, intimate union with Moses as the leader of the people. So when Moses all passed in the cloud, and in Moses they all passed over the sea unto dry land, the children of Israel had a relationship with Moses. Now remember the story in Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. The sons of Zebedee, they come to Christ one day and say, Lord, we, we would like a favor of you. There's something we want you to do for us, um, and we're going to ask it. So the Lord Jesus said, well, we'll ask away. And they said, we, we want the right to sit on your right hand and the other on your left hand. And what did he say to them? If you look at uh, Mark chapter 10, and he uh, told them there, in um, Mark chapter 10, he, he says to them, verse 38, You know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, You shall indeed drink of that cup that I drink of and with the baptism that I am baptized with all shall ye be baptized, but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given for them to whom it is prepared. Now, now we'll pause there. What was this reference to, to baptism? The reference is not to physical water baptism. The reference is a baptism of suffering. It's a reference to being put into a state where you're overwhelmed with an intense, deep suffering. It's, it's not a reference to being immersed or, or dipped in water. It's, it's being put into suffering. Do, do you see that? In fact, the Lord Jesus said in Luke 12 and 50, but I have a baptism to be baptized with. Now, you'd already been baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. That's literal real physical baptism but I have a baptism to be baptized with as I've said he's already baptized at the age of 30 but John the Baptist the River Jordan and he adds this how am I straightened till it be accomplished what was he referring to he was referring to that baptism of suffering being put into and overwhelmed by the suffering turn over there to Romans chapter 6 for a moment Romans chapter 6 let's read verses 3 and 4 he says, the Apostle Paul, Romans 6, 34, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now, notice the wording here, baptized into Jesus Christ. It, it, it's not water. Now, that's important that you grasp that. It's not a reference to literal water baptism. It's a reference to spiritual baptism in Christ. That's why he says, therefore, in light of this, we are buried with him by baptism into death. Maybe a very clear reference would be 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. Look at this reference. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Now, notice the wording, baptized into one body. 
You see, that's a reference to being placed or put into Christ. And the Holy Spirit regenerates the sinner and places the sinners together in the body of Christ. And therefore, by the Spirit, one Spirit, we're baptized into the one body, the body of Christ. It's not a reference to physical, literal water baptism. And you have to be discerning, folks. We have to learn to properly divide the word of truth. Now, we can't force things that we would like into the text of Scripture. So, as I've said again, buried with him in baptism, the word baptism here, you've got to think of the kind of baptism that's in view. It is spiritual baptism. It's a reference to our regeneration, reference to being born again. It's a reference to being put into Christ by the Spirit. And because we are in Christ by the Spirit, we too are buried with him. And it presupposes our identification with Christ. The burial, as I've said, is proof of death. And you have here a reference to the tree. Because if, he, if he's buried, then he's already died. That leads to the tomb. That, that leads to the truth. Wherein you're also risen with him. There's the truth of resurrection. And it leads to triumph. A life of power and victory. You see, our burial in Christ made possible our spiritual resurrection to newness of life. If Christ died, buried, and was rose again from the dead, and accomplished our salvation, then that salvation has to be applied in our hearts and lives. How can we receive it? How can we become a partaker? Well, well through faith. Where does that faith come from? It's the gift of God. It's the gift of God in the new birth. You see, it's connected to the Holy Spirit. And here's the first act of that tremendous work of the Holy Spirit. We're spiritually raised from the dead. The Spirit of God makes us alive to God and places us into the body of Christ. Now, that's what that means. Now, are there any references to literal water baptism in the Bible? Yes, Let's just read a couple, and I want to come back to this in a moment. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Listen to these words. Matthew 28 and 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. That's literal, physical water baptism. You see, there's some references to spiritual baptism, and there's some references to literal water baptism. And we have to be discerning. Okay. Now you turn over there to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 1 uh, and in the verse uh, 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 14. Here's the Apostle Paul. He's at Corinth. He's been preaching the word of God. Souls have been saved. Uh, and he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I have baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. Why? For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And one other reference, turn over there to Acts chapter 8, and look with me at verse 36 and 37. Here's another reference to literal water baptism. This is the Ethiopian eunuch. He's got saved through Philip's preaching. Acts chapter 8, verse 36 and verse 37. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, Notice what Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. 
And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. That's literal, physical water baptism. Now, you see that. You've got to think of the kind of baptism that's in view. Secondly, and very quickly, the knowledge of baptism that's valued. You see, I told you last week as we finished that water baptism, now listen to me very carefully, is a picture of our salvation in Christ. Baptism has taken the place of circumcision. Romans 4 and 11 is circumcision was a sign and seal of the old covenant. So baptism has become the sign and seal of the new covenant in Christ. In spiritual baptism, I am baptized into Jesus Christ. And in the Colossian context, while there's no water here, we have to say this, that the word baptism does allude indirectly to water baptism. Because that water baptism is a sign and seal of having been buried with Christ and having been raised with him to walk in newness of life. Now let me make it clear, the sign is not the reality. It merely points to the reality. The spiritual baptism in Christ is symbolized, Paul is teaching these Colossians, in your own literal physical baptism. Now remember, baptism doesn't save you. Make that clear. We don't believe in the external right to save. Baptism doesn't wash away your sin. It doesn't remove the filth of the flesh. It is merely a symbol, a pointer of what has actually taken place in your spiritual baptism. Not as the means of salvation, not as a vehicle of grace, but as the answer of a good conscience before God. Listen to what Peter says in Peter chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2 and in the verse uh, 21. Now it's important that you underline these scriptures. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, sorry, it's 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 21. I've written down the wrong reference. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So the symbol of water baptism points to the great reality of having already experienced God's salvation. It's a picture of that salvation. In Christ. See, let, let me try and summarize this. The Apostle Paul is saying to these Colossian believers, you have no need of external circumcision. You have already received a spiritual one, the circumcision of heart in the act of regeneration that's yours by virtue of being in union with Christ. And when he was buried, you were buried too in him. And when he was raised, you were raised in him. And your own experience of physical water baptism, well, that's a testimony of that. Because that baptism by water, the real physical baptism, is a sign and seal of the marvelous transfiguration that's taken place by virtue of being put into Christ. That's what he's saying. It's important to be grasped that. If you think back to um, Acts chapter 8, 
I was reading Dr. Kearns's book this week, the late Dr. Kearns on the 4th of May, and he dealt with this. He thought about, in Acts 8, the command to be baptized. Philip the evangelist is reading from or preaching uh, unto him Jesus, starting at the book of Isaiah. Remember, that's what the Ethiopian eunuch was reading, Isaiah chapter 53. And using the same scripture, he preached unto him Jesus. You can see that there in Acts 8, 35. So it undoubtedly had to include the command in Acts 2, verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. So this Ethiopian eunuch was informed about a command to be baptized. Think about the commission. The condition for being baptized. What did he say there? If you go back to Acts chapter 8, and if you look with me at verse um, 36 and 37, listen to what he says. And Philip said, verse 37, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You see, if is conditional. Thou is personal. Believers with all their heart. It's a reference to saving faith. There's the operation of God through faith in the operation of God. Then there's the confession of which the person is baptized makes. Look at verse 37b. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There's a full theological confession, full dependence on Christ, full devotion to Christ, full delight in Christ. Think about the commitment in baptism. The converted Ethiopian eunuch met the condition, he made the confession, he complied with the command, and his baptism was a mark of obedience to the word of God. His baptism was an expression of his testimony to identify with Christ. It was an acceptance of his obligation to live in newness of Christ, to, to die unto sin, to, to live in newness of Christ. There was a confidence that followed, he went on his way rejoicing. He had received Christ, his sins were forgiven, he was on his way to heaven. And he had the answer of a good conscience before God. Now remember, these were new converts in Colossae. And like the Ethiopian eunuch, they had repented of their sin, they had received Christ, and they had been urged to, to make public confession of that faith. And how did they do that in that time? Well, they did it by water baptism. Now I'm not going to speak this morning, you'll be glad to hear about the subjects I'm not going to discuss all the various modes. These were early Christians. And they were making a public display of their testimony. They had heard about Christ. They had believed in him to the saving of their soul. They testified we'd received him. And now they're testifying in this public manner. And this water baptism, remember, is just a sign. It's a sign of a great real experience. It's not the real thing. The sign to Belfast is not Belfast. The seal is you belong to Christ now. They would have understood at least what that meant. This was the admission into the visible congregation of God's people. There's no magical efficacy to the rite of baptism doesn't confer grace, it doesn't save. It's just a, a sign, a pointer to a picture of a great real experience in salvation. Let me tell you one final thing that I had down for last week. Not only the kind of baptism that is in view and the knowledge of baptism that is valuable, but the key to baptism that's victorious. 
Remember Paul says, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. You see, here's the key. What is the gospel? It's connected to the sole sufficiency and absolute supremacy of Jesus Christ. Who needs the gospel? Who needs the grace of God? All that are spiritually dead in trespasses and sin because of their sin, they need God's forgiveness. They live under the realm of spiritual darkness. Who does this regenerating work? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember, apart from Christ, we're all spiritually dead. And only in Christ can we be made spiritually alive. Remember, in Christ, we need a spiritual resurrection. Spiritual regeneration, that's the work of the Spirit in the new birth. And remember, Christ's bodily resurrection from the dead is the basis for our resurrection. Not only spiritually, but, but literally and physically. Because through faith we are in him. That's why Paul makes reference there, if you think in Colossians chapter 2, uh, um, when he mentions God who hath raised him from the dead. Remember, only God can raise the dead. Sin brings forth death. It's the spirit that brings forth life. And if you keep in mind that our baptism is but a picture of that spiritual resurrection, life in Christ, a kind of word picture of God's great salvation. And regardless of the mode, if you believe that the mode is by immersion, then it's a sign when you went down into the water of your, your, your death. It's a sign of your burial. When you come up out of the water, it's a sign of your resurrection in Christ. But don't make the sign a big thing. Make the substance. It's what the sign points to. And if you believe that the mode is better by pouring, then you think about the pouring of the water upon you and see that as an insane of the pouring of the Spirit, being infused with the Spirit, being born of the Spirit, being overwhelmed by the Spirit. Put into Christ. You see, our tendency as I finish is to focus on the sign and get our eyes of Christ. As I said, the sign to Belfast is, is not Belfast. You could look at the sign to Belfast and say, Great sainness. I'm in Belfast, but you're not. You're in the outskirts, but you're not actually in the city. The sign's a pointer. It points to the substance. And you see, it's a sign of, of being in Christ. And so many focus on the sign, but, but fail to, to, to follow through with the substance. The key is Christ. The key is in him. That's Pauline theology. Ninety times he said, in him. You see, the moment you trust in Christ as I finish, you're saying, I have given up my old life. I have experienced repentance from sin. I'm dead to that life. I, I died with Christ to that life. That life's buried in Christ. And my baptism's but a symbol of that. And I've been raised to a new kind of life in Christ. You see, Christ, the key is Christ. The key is a picture of Christ that's being portrayed in the gospel. Keep Christ in your mind. Your baptism, regardless of the mode, is but a sign of your profession of faith in Christ. And that sign simply points to something greater, something beyond. Someone has rightly said it's a visible manifestation of a real but invisible reality. But that invisible reality, in a sense, can be seen in the change in a person's life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. 
old things have passed away and all things have become new. So I want to ask as we finish this morning, are you in Christ? Because that's the key. That you've come to know him. That you've received him. He's your Lord and Savior. That you're resting in him. And that's important. How do you answer this morning? Do you know Christ? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? The encouragement is, but as many as received him, to them give you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God the Holy Spirit has shown you your sin, brought you to Christ. And because you're in Christ, then you're more than happy to identify with him in all the commands that he makes of his people. That's what the Ethiopian eunuch did. And I commend that mindset and that spirit to you. Let me just finish. If you have a contrary opinion, then I'm quite happy to listen. I've wrestled with this for two weeks. I've tried my best to be as faithful to the text of Scripture. And I present this message to you, this two-part. I encourage you to listen to it again because it's very, very important. How many sermons have you heard on it? You probably have heard none. And that's so sad. We, 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 we miss out so much by, by leaving these things off the table. But here we're trying to open up the text. We're trying to teach you the Word of God in a very simple way. And I, I trust that you'll take it in the spirit in which I've preached this this morning.